Let's pray. Okay, Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you that we've gathered today. Thank you. This is, this is the Lord's day. This is the, the day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead. And so we want to celebrate Jesus. We want to praise Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for all you have done for us. We thank you for your death, your life, your resurrection. And thank you that you have brought us and killed, you've killed sin in us and brought us to life in you and we want to thank you and praise you for that i just pray please open our ears and let us hear your word today all of us and help us just to to listen and to apply and just understand and get it and through all of it just see you jesus we want to see you you are so important and vital to us please fill us please feed us please give us life today amen amen right okay cool so we are currently tackling Psalm 19. Okay, that's that's when I that's what I last preached on. I preached on the beginning of Psalm 19. And last um, time we covered the first half of the psalm. Okay, we spoke about creation, creation, so and its message about our God. Okay, and I, I focused specifically on the sky. I mean, there was a bit of other stuff that I focused on as well, but my, I primarily focused on the sky and the heavens, the heavens being space. Um, not because I had any preference to the sky, to uh, animals or anything, but because David, the writer of the psalm, focuses on the sky. Okay, and I don't believe it was just his preference either. He doesn't just, oh no, I'll just talk about the sky because I prefer that to animals or whatever. He, he, he spoke about it because he had a purpose and, uh, in describing it. And basically, wherever we are on the earth, all men can see the sky. Unless you're locked away, which is obviously, which happens, but... <laughs> okay. It's all right. Go away. It's all right. It's okay, we can carry on with that, it's fine. Okay, so I'll, 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 just, I'll just say things out if it starts. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Hey. It says about the sky, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And the point is, they, they tell everyone a single universal message. God is glorious, he made us worship him. Okay. So my, my aim in, in that session or that sermon was, was basically to inspire you guys to kind of look at his creation with fresh eyes. That was the whole point of it, okay? Uh, listening to their message about God and, and praising God for who he is, you know, in creation. And hopefully some of you did pursue that, you know, and, and it's enriched your, your, your growing relationship with God. That's, that's, that's important. Um, uh, but I, I, know, I know this is the case, but I know some of you didn't take it on. I know some of you didn't take it on, okay? You didn't pursue it. Uh, maybe the sermon was hard or boring. Uh, you zoned out or you just, you just thought, oh, this is rubbish or whatever. Or, 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 or maybe some of you did think, oh, yeah, that's true, and I kind of want to apply it, but I can't, I, I can't really. You know, I'm finding it harder. You've got a lack of joy, a wave of apathy. Uh, you know, maybe you want to praise, but you just can't, you know. Um, you know, I, you know I've, I've had times where I've wanted to praise and it just feels like a battle, you know. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's funny, I, t- I told my wife, before I preached the last sermon, I told my wife uh, about, the, uh, about caterpillars having uh, 4,000 muscles in their bodies. And uh, I, was, I was quite, well, that's quite a lot for a, for a bug, right? And, uh, and, and, and she says, she's allowed me to say this, she said, oh, great, who gets paid to count that sort of thing? 
I'd admit she wasn't having a good day. <laughs> I'll admit that. Um, but her attitude revealed something that happens to us. It does happen to us. Okay? It's not that we just forget to notice creation and ascribe glory to God. It's that we've grown cold towards it. Okay? There's an apathy there. We don't care. Oh, let's just go away. You know? uh, we get cynical. Okay? And creation, creation doesn't make us appreciate or acknowledge God. I mean, some of you think like the argument that creation proves God is ridiculous. You know, I mean, you, you've got that. You know, that, that's, that's stupid. You know, creation doesn't prove God. It just proves, you know, we exist. It doesn't really prove anything else. You know, science has nailed this. Come on, wake up. You know, we, we've grown cold. Now, last time I, I quoted part of the beginning of Paul's letter to the Romans. I'm going to give it to you now in the full context. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor did they give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, I'm clever, I know how it all works, I know, how, you know where we all came from, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. Amen. God also says in Jeremiah, this is what God says, okay? Foolish and senseless people who have no eyes, who have eyes but don't see. You have ears but you don't hear. Here's the thing, proof of God is in creation, but most of us have become blind and deaf. We don't hear the voices of praise from creation, we don't see the glory of God in the heavens, we've either grown too familiar or we deliberately suppress it, including believing something else about it. Whether that's, whether that's you choose it, you just grow up in a different environment not knowing anything else. You know, some people just grow, you know, people grow up. People grow up in different faiths, you know. It's not necessary that they completely rejected Christianity, they've grown up in a different faith. But even then, they have believed something else than what the sky is actually saying. But the thing is, even if we did see it, even if we didn't hear the gospel and all of that, even if we did say, okay, Sky, there's a God, okay? It doesn't really tell us anything apart from uh, that he's beautiful or dangerous, you know? I mean, you know, if it does testify of a God, how do we know, you know, he's our friend or our enemy, you know? C.S. Lewis says, If we use the universe as our only clue, then I think we should have to conclude that God was a great artist, for the universe is a very beautiful place, but also that he is quite merciless and no friend to man, for the universe is a very dangerous and terrifying place. Thing is, we can easily get the wrong idea about creation. Tim Keller says, Good non-verbal communication is easily misinterpreted. We need something more. I'll quickly tell you it's easily misinterpreted because we're fallen. 
But this is, this is the next part of the psalm. This is the next part of the psalm. This is where the next part comes in. So uh, we, we've had the creation of the sky. Now it's, now it's Scripture's turn. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, best gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Creation tells us of his power and might, but scripture tells us of his love, his justice, and his righteousness. Okay? Now, before we dive into this, uh, the goodness of Scripture, and our need of it, I want to cover some basics with you, okay? And I have to touch on them really quickly, so quicker than I would like to. But I could go on all day about this stuff. Uh, scripture is trustworthy. It's the first thing you need to know. The Bible is a collection of books, okay? It's and mostly history, okay? But also poetry, sayings, and uh, prophecy, okay? It is not a mix of myths, Okay, it is not mythical in any way. Okay, nor is it affected by Chinese whispers. Okay, you know those, some, some of the oldest texts in the Bible are written thousands of years ago, and so we kind of think, well, you know, have, have they been misconceived? But you know what? We have ample proof that they have not been altered or changed throughout time. What is in your Bible today is precisely what was actually written thousands of years ago. And we know this because we have sciences that prove this, like textual criticism. Go look that one up, because I haven't got time to explain it. But we we know stuff like that. And we know the Bible is historically accurate because archaeological findings and other historical writings have only ever supported it. They've never done anything against it. It is trustworthy. It goes with everything we already have that we know about history. Moving on. Scripture is by God. Paul in 1 Timothy tells us all scripture is breathed out by God. He wrote all of it, basically. That's what it means. Okay? He wrote the Old Testament. He wrote the New Testament. He did so through men who were inspired by his Holy Spirit. Okay? And in Moses' case, he even wrote stuff himself with his own finger. Okay? He wrote the Bible. What does that mean for us, though? It means scripture has authority. Okay? Psalm 19 kind of breaks its statements. What I just said, the law of the Lord, precepts and all that. It breaks them down into, into three categories. Okay? It breaks it down into three categories. I'll quickly go through them. One, law and the testimonies are about the instructions of a teacher. He uses those words because they mean instruction. He talks about precepts and commands. They are the orders of a commander and a leader. And then he talks about it being the fear of God and the ordinances or the rules. They are the sentences of a judge. Okay? That's what they mean in their original language. God is our teacher, our commander, and our judge. Okay? That is what God is. And all of those things we just described, they're all positions of his authority over us as humans. Okay? And the written word of God carries that authority. Okay? It carries it. 
Okay, it's, it's in, in ancient times, basically, if a message was written uh, with a seal and a signature from a king, it carried exactly the same weight as if the king had spoken himself. Okay? Uh, even today, we put emphasis on letters and, and documents, right? Um, you know, uh, written contracts have more weight than just a casual verbal agreement between two people, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't start a job just talking to someone, you would expect a contract, Right? And, and, and sometimes we ask for things in writing right, to ensure validity. And so if there's ever a dispute, we can get that writing and you know, it, it proves something. You know, word, word of mouth does not hold up in court, but writings do. You know? we, we put an emphasis on that. And, and so you know, what God has put in his word is just as good as if he just spoke it to you right here, right now. It's just as much authority and power. Okay, And the most simple and basic point we can get from this is this. If you disagree with or reject scripture, you disagree with and you reject God. Okay, If you don't like what it says in here, you're not following God. Simple. Okay? But there's something else significant that we can gain from this other than knowing God is in charge. Okay? So many of us want to hear from God, right? We want to hear God. Okay? We want to hear his voice. Oh, if he would just speak to me. Yeah, if he would just speak to me. He does. He does it through his word. You know, I've, I've heard it very well stated that prayer is, is us talking to God and scripture is him talking back to us. Okay? Now, maybe some of you think that's a bit of a cop-out. Oh, I wanted to actually hear God's voice. Right? Let me ask you, if you actually heard him audibly, would you actually obey him more than if you read his word? Would you? You might think so, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I'll tell you why. We have proof here in the Bible itself. The Israelites physically heard God speaking to them in the wilderness. They heard his voice with their ears. Yeah? And they even saw his incredible miracles. But guess what? They never once trusted him. They didn't trust him. They were faithless to the bitter end. You see, if, if you're just searching for hearing and you don't want scripture, the problem isn't, isn't you know, God not speaking to you. It's your own heart. That's the problem. But here's the thing, this is why scripture is precious to us, okay? It's, it's, it's more valuable than gold, it's sweeter than honey, because it's God speaking to us. If you want to hear him, you just read his word. He speaks, he does speak through it. So, let's, let's dig in and let's see what hearing what he says in scripture actually does for us, okay? Let's, let's, let's just dig into this, okay? So, scripture, scripture instructs us. Okay. Now, as I said before, the first category in, in, that, in, the, in, in the psalm we're looking at is instruction. Okay? The law, which is better translated as instruction, is the Torah. I don't know if anyone's heard that word before, but it's basically the first five books of our Bible. Okay? And when he says the testimony, it's a reference to the two stone tablets that God wrote the commandments on with Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay. Now, both of these have a very, very strong emphasis on teaching. And that's the point. Scripture teaches us. Okay? It gives us the best direction for our lives. Okay? And not just some of our lives. It covers all of our lives. Uh, David says the law is perfect. Okay? It means, that word in Hebrew, it means complete. Okay? He has given us everything we need in his word for life and for godliness. It's all there. Romans, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. And, one Tim, and 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible, it teaches us how to pray, how to fast, how to deal with people, how to act and react in different circumstances. It teaches us how to even read his word. It teaches us about God. It teaches us about who he is, what he's like, what he's done, what he does, what he will do. Uh, It teaches us what he likes and what he hates. Uh, It enlightens our eyes, as the psalmist says, and, and it teaches us what is good, what is evil, what is true, what is false, what is wise, and what is foolish. Okay? The Bible gives us wisdom. It makes us wise. Okay? To Timothy again. The sacred writings are able to, very clearly, make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? And it doesn't stop there. It makes us wise enough to teach others. Okay? Deuteronomy. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them. Diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, that's when you're out and about, when you lie down, and when you rise. Basically, you talk about it all the time. Okay? Oh, I've gone, I've missed one. Oh, yeah, it's at the bottom. Sorry. And Colossians says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And that's not just me or David or the other David or Colin preaching to you. That's you guys teaching each other. Yeah? Okay. The word of God makes wise the simple, as the psalmist says. Makes us wise. So that's one thing. Oh, where are we going? Second thing, it revives us. Just as God's spoken word and breath gave life to all existence, all creation, all creatures, so his written word gives life to our souls. Okay, John, this is Jesus' words. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I'm sorry, these aren't Jesus' words, these are John's words. I, I'll just correct that. Any, any, either way, this book, sorry, let me go back. So these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know what? There are countless stories of people coming to faith in Christ just by reading his word alone. Countless stories. Okay? I've heard stories of people on death row who have nothing, nothing to gain now, you know, who come to faith in Christ and they die happy, which is, which is crazy. I've seen everyday people who just see a random verse, like from a tract or, or just wherever, and, and they're brought to their knees. Just God just hits them for it. You know, and, and, and the funniest things I've ever seen are people, atheists, who, who set out to prove the Bible wrong and they read it only to find eternal life in Christ Jesus. It changes them. And they've set out to prove it wrong. God's word is powerful. But why? How, how are they gaining life? Well, who gives life? Jesus says it is the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Okay? The Holy Spirit comes to us through the message of the gospel. Yes? Okay? Which is the word of Christ. Okay? That's how it works. Um, Galatians. 
did you, sorry, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is a question Paul asks. Did you, did you receive it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Answer? Hearing with faith. Hearing what? Word of God. Romans says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God, of Christ, it says here. God's word revives us. It can bring life to those who don't love God, and it can give life to us who still do love God. Right? Which brings me to our next point. It sustains. Okay? God's word gives us life. So if we turn our backs on it, surely it makes sense we'd start to perish. Right? Surely if, if you know, you're hooked up to something that's giving you life and you pull it out of you and walk away, you're gonna, you're gonna, something bad's going to happen. Right? If, now, some of you might wonder, why, why do I feel so distant from God? Or, or, or you might wonder, why am I still in the same place I was 15 years ago, you know, when I first came to know Christ? I haven't moved, I haven't matured. The question is, have you been reading his word? You know, it's, it, it happens. People, you know, we, we get caught up and we think, oh, yeah, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm too busy for that right now. And, and you start to see yourself diminishing. It happens. You need his word. Some people might say, yeah, but there's people like, who live in uh, wherever where they can't have access into the world, and they do fine. Yes, because God gives special grace when we have no access to certain things. But if you have access, you should be reading it, because the people who don't have access, if they knew you had access, they'd tell you you should be reading it yeah. as well. Okay? We have access. God has blessed us by living in a country where we can express our faiths and opinions and stuff. That's good for us, and we should use it while we can. But it sustains us. Reading the word is often associated with eating. Okay? Just as we need our daily intake of food uh, to stay alive, morning, afternoon, and night, if you actually have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, we need God's word the same way to stay alive in our spirits. Jesus says, Jesus actually does say this one, okay? man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay? We live by his word. Uh, Isaiah says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Basically, he means, uh, he's talking about wasting our time on stuff that doesn't actually help or benefit. Why are you wasting your, why are you wasting your time? Um, he says instead, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. He's talking about his word. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Hear that your soul may live. Okay? God's, word, uh, God's word sustains us, and it doesn't just sustain us, but it also grows us and matures us. Okay? It doesn't just keep us level, it, it moves us up. Okay? Uh, Peter, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. John, and this is Jesus again actually speaking, sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify basically means make holy, okay? It's it's, it's a word that indicates a daily process by which we grow uh, to be more like Jesus, okay? So he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We are sanctified by his word. Psalm 1. Some of you should, might make, did I skip it? Oh, there it is. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf 
does not wither. Okay? Scripture helps us to bear fruit. Okay? It helps us to grow. It helps us to endure. It sustains the life it gives us. And without it, if we unplug ourselves from it, we wither. We wither. Gives us joy. Okay? If we are to be truly happy in God, we need to read his word. We need to read his word. Not only does it give us life, but it lifts our hearts and it enables us to rejoice, even in the most horrific circumstances. Okay? Now, maybe some of you laugh at the idea of thinking God's word being a delight. Maybe it's not a delight. Maybe it's a chore for you. you know? um, I'm sure we've all been there. But uh, you know what? I can testify, the more you actually persist in reading it, uh, your delight in it will actually start to appear. And the more you read it, the deeper that delight grows. I've known it for myself. Okay? Um, Jeremiah. This is important. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. They became. It's very specific. It indicates that he wasn't, he wasn't enjoying them before. But they became a delight. They became a joy. Psalmist says, your testimonies are, are the joy of my heart. Okay? Reading the word, funnily enough, gives us delight in the word itself. Okay? It also gives us joy, encouragement, and hope in, it, in, in other circumstances and other things. Uh, Romans, again. Um, for, for, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The scriptures encourage us. It's good for us. See, the thing is, you know, I, I think some people have said, you know, oh, the commandments are just laws and we do this. Do like, you know what? The, the commandments are not stern laws given without any heart or thought of our own good, but they're actually gracious notices informing us of what God desires for our benefit and for our joy. Surely our benefit and joy is not going to hell, which is why he puts his, gives us his word. And if the only way is accepting Jesus in order to escape the flames, then that is our best. Okay? It's food for our souls. And it's not just tasteless food, it tastes good. It tastes good. Okay? And it's here for our joy and for our delight. Okay? The word of God rejoices the heart. Yeah. Next point. One of my last points, actually. Disciplines. It disciplines us. As I said earlier, one of the categories David mentions is discipline. He, he talks about the word being the fear of God, and he talks about them being audiences or rules or judgments. To fear God, and we, this is a bit of a... I, I, I find myself kind of thinking, well, what is that now and again, you know? But, but it's important we understand what fearing God is. To fear God is to realize his authority over you as a judge, and if you're in Christ, as your father. Okay? You fear him as judge and father. Okay? And if you're not in Christ, just judge. <laughs> but, but we pray that you become and, and know him as father, right? Because here's the thing. He, he has the right as such, as judge and father to condemn and discipline, respectively. He has that right. Okay? And as David says, his rules or his judgments are true and righteous. 
Okay, they're, they're, they're truthful and they're morally just. Okay, he, he doesn't just pick on us for no reason. Okay, that's not what he is. He's not fickle. If you look back in the, on the gods, even in the Old Testament, all those gods were fickle. You could obey all their rules and they would still smite you. That was kind of the rules and the, the sets that were around back there. God is not like that. Our God is not like that. Our God is greater. Okay? If we are faithful to him, he is faithful to us. Okay, he doesn't pick on us for no reason. And so here's the thing. We should be fearful of his rebuke. You know, even as a child of God, you are not going to escape discipline. Okay? You might think, oh yeah, I'm not going to be judged. Yeah, you're not going to be judged, but God is still going to discipline you if you get things wrong. Okay? He's still your dad. You know? You know? We should be fearful of his rebuke. Why? So we hate what is evil and love what is good. You know? As defined by our God, not defined by us. We don't define what is good and what is evil. He does. Okay? And just as a child, you know, yeah, we do so just as a child does when, when he is disciplined well by the parents. Right? You know, we fear punishment for our actions. Don't touch that. Okay. They learn. They get it. They understand that. Or sit in the corner or whatever you do. You know, it's just, it's just you know, they, they learn. They learn to fear what is wrong. And the thing is, they don't fear you. You know, my kids don't come up to me scared every single day. They run up to me and jump on my bed and, you know, wake me up every morning and cuddle, head butts, whatever, you know. But, you know, and they, they absolutely love me. They, they know if they've done something wrong... Their attitude changes. They're like, I don't want Daddy to find out. And bless God sometimes, because they're, they're still quite young, they, they learn, I'm not doing that, because I don't want Daddy to be upset with me. <laughs> you know? This is the way we do it. It's, we dis- it God disciplines us because he loves us. That's what the proverb says. He disciplines those he loves. So yeah, we fear the punishment for our actions. And the scriptures remind us of these things. And it brings to light our wrongs against God. It's, God tells us off through scripture. Okay? To Timothy again. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. That's for telling off. For correction. All right, let's get you back up. And everything else. <laughs> Training in righteousness. As I said before, the word of God gives life, okay? And, and this is because the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive, okay? However, here's the thing. It's life does not just give you life, but it corrects what is wrong in you. It corrects any darkness that's still in you. Hebrews. For the word of God is living and active. It is alive. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword, sharpest sword ever, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Okay? No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. That is all of us. No one escapes giving account to God. Now, here's the thing. We often like the idea of Scripture being like a sword, right? Ephesians 6, you know, sword of the Spirit. We kind of think, yeah, mm, take that, Satan, whatever, right? And, but you've got to remember, it's double-edged, okay? And here's the thing. It will actively judge your own thoughts and intentions as much as anything else, okay? It is very much alive. And if you wield it correctly, because you can stupidly wield a sword, right? But if you wield it right, it will keep you in check, and it will keep you from falling, Okay? 
The word is good. It keeps us from evil. It keeps us from temptation. It keeps us from falling away. As David said in Psalm 19, by them, by the scriptures, your servant is warned. Okay, that's a reward for him. He's warned. Okay, you know. And then he goes on to say this. He says, who can discern his own errors? Okay. Declare me innocent from hidden faults, God. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. So then I can be blameless and innocent of great transgression. You know, we can't always tell where we've gone wrong. Sometimes it's, you know, you kind of think, that guy is sinning. Why does he not get it? It's because he doesn't know. He's not getting it. He needs to be, you know, he needs to be told. We don't always know where we've gone wrong, but, but God can through his word. Okay? And we can if we speak the words to each other as well. And we go to correct each other in love. Okay? Scripture disciplines us and it keeps us from stumbling, correcting us when we do. For our own good and for our own benefit. Okay? And you know what? There's plenty of other things to say about Scripture which I don't have the time to do. So I'm going to ask this question. How do you hear? Okay? Here's the thing. The word of God brings us extraordinary life and vitality to our spirits. It's a source of joy. It's a source of delight. And it helps our focus. It lifts our eyes to see the greatness and goodness and love of our God. And it makes us wise and it keeps us from stumbling. These are all good things. No one can argue that these are bad things. These are good things, right? These are good things. But here's the thing. It won't do anything if you don't listen. It won't do a thing if you don't listen. If you... No! What do I mean by listen? Reading it daily, listening to it on iTunes. Yeah, those things help. They're good. But that's not what I mean. You see, here's the thing. The Bible means, in both Hebrew and Greek, the word listen does not mean to hear. It means to obey. Okay? In the Old Testament, there's this king called Asa. Okay? And uh, he rules over Jerusalem. And uh, it's a time of... uh, civil war, you know, they're at war with the Israelites, and, uh, and the rest of the Israelites are laying siege to his city, okay, which he's obviously not happy about, and he's a bit distressed about, so he sends a mass amount of wealth to a Syrian king, okay, and he asks him for his help, like, have all this money, please, can, can, can you help me here, we're, we're having trouble, and the Bible says the Syrian king, in this very word, listened, he listened, and then it proceeds to explain how that king aided Asa. See, listen does not mean he actually received the message. Oh, I heard it, you know. It, it means he agreed to it. Okay, if, he, if, if, if it had said he had not listened, it basically would have meant he would have refused help. Okay, you've got plenty of other things in that. And here's the thing, God on multiple occasions blames his own people for not listening to him. Throughout scripture, he blames that. Here's the thing, it's, it's not that they didn't hear from him or his message, it's, it's that they refused it. You know, you have ears to hear, but you don't listen. You know, I'm sure we've heard that before in Scripture. To listen is to accept. To not listen is to refuse. I can't go to this in any detail, but do you guys remember the parable of the seed and the sower, whatever you want to call it? You know, farmer throws some seeds, right? Um, Some falls on the road and some falls on rocks and some falls in weeds, and some falls on, uh, on soil, yeah? Does everyone, does people kind of know that one, yeah? yeah? All right, well, you know what? That parable is, how you, is about how you hear the word of God. That's what the parable's about. 
In fact, the whole of that chapter where you find that parable is about that. Okay? Here's the thing. The seed of the word... Sorry, the seed is the word, rather. Okay? So the seed is the word, and the ground is the way we hear it. Okay? The ground is the way we hear it. The dirt road is pure rejection. The rocky ground is hearing but not doing. Okay? It's like, it's, I like the salvation part. Yes, Jesus has saved me, but you know what? I'm not basing my life on any of this. The weeds are the pleasures of the world choking out all the progress you're trying to make in God. If you have weeds, no matter how much you read and try and all of that, you're not going to get anywhere. And the good soil is a heart that actually listens. It puts God first, above their own lives and their pleasures. It obeys the word of God in every area of their lives. I guess a good question is, where are you right now? What soil do you have? And the thing is, Jesus ends this with another parable about light and darkness. And then he says this, he says, take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. And just to top it off, some woman shouts him, oh, blessed is the woman who who nursed you. You know, and he says, no, rather blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey. What a way to top off a subject. Okay. Here's the thing, we, church, we, we can read scripture, we can hear it on our phones, we can read articles and books about it, we can hear it preached, we can memorize it, we can sing it, we can shout it, and you know what, we can even learn it in Greek. Yeah? Good luck. But, <laughs> but here's the thing, if we do not obey it, it's useless. Absolutely useless. Not that scripture is useless, it's not scripture that's useless, it's just we are useless. Right? It's, it's, it's just in, in one ear and out the other, right? Okay, that won't make you holy. That won't make you holy. That won't keep you from stumbling. It won't give you life or joy or growth. It won't give you anything because you're setting yourself against it. Problem isn't scripture, it'll be you. Okay, okay. As the psalmist says, in keeping the law, there is great reward. In keeping it, doing it. The word of God is an incredible thing. And multiple times I, I've, I've been amazed by it. I've been encouraged by it. I've been told off for it and corrected by it. You know, uh, I've, I've gained joy from it. I've, you know, uh, mornings I've read it. I've satisfied my heart for the day. And I'm, I'm ready to serve God, you know. Um, but you know what? We all have times of this. You know, the times I don't read it or I, I don't apply it or I don't really listen to it, I, I grow dim. My eyes grow dim. I, I, I start to lose life. I'm no longer satisfied. I start getting depressed. I'm, I'm discouraged. And, and the funny thing is, the words of love and affirmation in the Bible become words of condemnation and displeasure. And rightly so, because the word is life to those who are being saved by it, and it brings condemnation to those who are perishing. Okay? Not just condemnation, but correction. David ends his psalm like this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's get one thing straight. This is about Jesus. Okay, this is about Jesus. Not, not just this verse that's on the screen now, not just the whole of what we've just been reading, but everything. Everything we've just been talking about, everything we do, everything, the reason why we're here, it's all about him. 
Okay, it's all about him. Okay? It's not about crossing days off our Bible reading plan. Okay? It's not what it's about. It's about knowing him and loving him and honouring him because of the good he has done for us. And scripture helps us to do those things. Do, do you want to do that? Do you, do you want to hear? Do you want to know him? Do you want to love him? Do you want to glorify your saviour? Then we've got to read and obey his word. We've got to. Here's the thing. David doesn't even know Jesus yet. Doesn't even know him. He knows there's someone coming. Okay? But he doesn't know him and he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. He, you know, he knows God is good and merciful. And here's the thing. Even though he has sinned and he deserves eternal judgment himself. This is David we're talking about. He knows God is going to save him. He just doesn't know how yet. He doesn't know Jesus. And yet he's still saying this word is so good. Who says that about the Old Testament? In all fairness, who goes through and says, yeah, the Old Testament is the best, you know. I don't hear that from people often. I have heard it from people, but not often. And, and, you know, here's the thing, he understands, he understands the word gives him life and helps him and keeps him close to God, you know, he, he gets it. David understood, you know, the life and goodness of it, and, he, and, and that's without the life-changing gospel that we have. You know, God has given us more than David had. God has given us Jesus. You know, we have more than David did. We should be even more happy about it. But here's the thing, most of us hate it. And you might not use that word, you might think that's a bit strong. But most of us do. We, we, don't, we either don't listen or we don't read it or, 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 or even when we try to read it or try to listen, or we, we just can't. I don't know if any of you have had that, where you, where you do your best, but it's just not working. And it's not connecting. The law, the scripture, all of it, it's always been good. Jesus, well, no, Paul affirms that the, the law is good and holy, and that's in the New Testament. So he doesn't, the law is not done away with. And Jesus says not a word of the law will ever pass until the end. Okay? See, the law is good and holy, it's just we're not good at keeping it. And so it condemns us and tells us we're not good enough. But that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came, because, because we can't do it, and, and we hate it, and, we, and we're naturally God-haters. And, and so Jesus came, and, and he obeyed the law for us. He obeyed every, every single commandment that's in this Bible that we fail at so miserably, he has done. Not to say, ah, look, I did it, but to, for us. And then he died for us. He took the punishment we deserve that it says in that book. You know, he died for us. He paid for our crimes. And, and then he affirms a place for us in heaven as well. He, he doesn't just, okay, now don't sin again, because if you now sin again, you, you'll be in the same state again. No, he gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit so we don't fall again. So we know even when we mess up, we can go to him for forgiveness, and we know that we are going to be with him forever. We live by the Spirit. Those who are saved, we live by the Spirit that Christ has given us. Okay, we don't live by the law. That doesn't mean we reject Scripture. It just means we don't have to try and live up to its expectations all the time. You know, we 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 we, we do what we can, but when we fall, we have forgiveness. You know, we live by the Spirit, and and it's like I said, it's not because the law is bad, because it's good and it's holy and it's righteous, but it's only by the Spirit that we can actually put to death our trespasses. 
against the law of God. And when we live in step with the spirit of God, we don't just obey the law, we actually end up exceeding the law and doing better than it. Okay? That's not because we're good, it's because God is good and work at us. He's at work in us. The spirit enables our hearts to do what they could never do before, which is love God, love others. That's what, what is love for God? Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. So we're not doing away with scripture. It's just we're now able to obey it because of Jesus. Okay? You couldn't obey the law before. Now you can exceed it. We're able to love God and obey his commands. And we're now able to actually listen to him. Okay? But we've got to do it. Okay? If God has enabled us, we don't just sit down and, and then leave it. We, we, we act out in faith. And say, okay, God's enabled me now. Let's, let's do this. Help me, God. So, guys, church, if, if, if you're in a bad way at all right now, okay, uh, whether you're neglecting the Bible or just not doing what it says, wherever you're at, okay, I'm not, it's no condemnation, but, but here's the thing. The answer isn't just to try harder either, okay? It's not just, you know, there's, there's no point in me just standing here and saying, you need to do this and you need to do that, because that kind of contradicts what God says, you know, because it's God who helps us do those things, right? So, so it's not just to try harder. It's to ask Jesus for his spirit to change your hearts and minds towards your life and his word, okay? You, it's to ask him, to, the spirit, to open your eyes and your ears. Uh, it's to help you see and listen, yeah? You need to ask for those things to, to save you. Here's the thing. He didn't just die for us back then. Well, he, I mean, he did die for us back then, but what I mean is he didn't just save us then. He saves us continually. Okay? He lives in heaven. We get to ask him and say, I am failing right now. I, you know, I, I swear I've given my life to you. I am failing so badly. Can you please help me? Which is also why we need each other as well. So we can go to each other and confess stuff and say, you know what, I am failing right now. Can you pray with me so God can give me his spirit and help me through this? Please? You know, Jesus will change you. You know, he will save you every single day of your life. Okay? From your stubbornness, from your apathy, and from your rebellion, which, let's admit it, it happens. Quite often. <laughs> you know? I was thinking, time's going, I was thinking before about, oh, let's, should I add a section about teaching people how to read scripture? No, it's too much. I'll, I'll write a blog on it or something at some point. But I want to give you one tip before I go away. One tip for reading the Bible, okay? Apart from just setting a time for it and actually sitting down with it, okay? Um, here's my tip, okay? Pray every single time before you read. And I don't mean an hour-long prayer, okay? Because by then you probably have to go to work or something or whatever you do, right? But literally just spend a few minutes and pray that God will open it up to you, make you enjoy it, okay? He does that. And want to read it. <laughs> Please, I don't want to read it right now. Help me to want to. And, uh, and, and help you to apply it. And, and the most important thing you should ask him for, show me Jesus in this today. Show, I want to see Jesus today because he is our light, he is our love, he is our hope, he is our joy and he is our satisfaction. It's not just words on the page, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Pray, please let me see him in every single page I read. Old Testament, New Testament, whatever. 
Please help me, God, today. And then go and actually read it. Because if you pray that, then don't read it. It doesn't work. So <laughs> then actually go read it and, uh, and, and see how that goes. And you know what? I, I, I tell you, I'm going to be honest with you because, you know, this is life. We, we you know, don't live in some fancy whatever place. This, you know, this is real life we're dealing with. You know, it can take a few days. You know, it took me weeks of persistently sitting down in the morning before work, my old job, and, and, and just... Just saying, okay, I don't really want to read. I'm, I'm really kind of, I'm thinking about all these things. Help me to focus. Help me to want to read. Help me to whatever. And you know what? It, it, it took a few weeks before I really got into it. And you know what? When I did, I didn't even realize I had, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, until it was like a couple of months more. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm like super holy or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's crazy. You know, God will help you. You know? It'll become life to you. We should persist in it. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Father God, dear Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much that you don't just uh, leave us without any information, God. You know, you don't just leave us in creation and tell us to work it out. But you've, you've given us your word and you've instructed us and told us and taught us and shown us you. You know, it's the reason we're here today. You know, I, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for, that you work through it and you work very actively through it and you change so many lives through it and you sustain so many lives and you, and you keep us from falling through it and, and you are just so good to us. And so I, I, I just pray for, for all of us here, you know, um, wherever we're at with it, whether we are really enjoying it or not. I think the people who are enjoying it, you sustain that and, and the people who are finding it hard, I just pray you help them, get them into a routine. I pray you help all of us, because we all have those moments where we reject scripture or we or we say, I don't like that or whatever. I just pray you help us overcome it. Let us find life in your word, yeah. you know. You know, was, I want this church to grow. We want to grow. I want to grow. You know, it's not enough to stay where we are. We want to grow, Lord. So please help us to grow in reading your word and prayer and being together, you know. I just, I just ask for your help, Lord Jesus. You are the sustainer of our lives, sustainer of our souls, and you, you promise us incredible riches to people who are worthless and have never done what you've told them. Thank you so much. You are so glorious. Thank you so much, Jesus. Help us, Lord, I pray. Amen.